Cancer. It'll kill more than 600,000 Americans this year, more than any affliction other than heart disease. That makes killing cancer itself big business. Sure enough, in 2021, $57 billion were spent on cancer drug research, and 80% of that came from the private sector, investors looking for gigantic profits. But there's a kicker. Two federal agencies require that all information about cancer drug research has to be shared. And it doesn't matter if the results are good or bad. Now, the government sounds like it's serious. Keeping secrets can lead to fines of up to $10,000 a day. But consider this. That's been on the books since 2007. But it turns out that research companies have widely ignored that expensive requirement for disclosure. But despite their failure to comply, no financial penalty has ever been assessed. Now, there's a lot at stake in cancer drug research, so the question is, why? Jennifer Cow wanted to find out. She's an assistant professor of strategy at the UCLA Anderson School of Management. She and a team documented the records involving disclosure and non-disclosure from 2008 to 2021. Looking for answers. <music>
And also, if we zoom out to three years after the trial has completed, less than half of trials report results. And this low rate of disclosure also holds if we examine other settings, such as reporting in publications or conferences as well. We see just generally low rates of reporting. So let's get back to this question of private funding, $57 billion in research money, 80% of which came from the private sector. Did that make a difference when it came to disclosure? Absolutely. So in our research, we find that over the long term, results reporting was lower for trials funded by the private sector relative to trials funded by government entities such as the National Institutes of Health. And so this really sheds light on factors such as firm characteristics or market competition that can play a powerful role in shaping firm incentives to disclose their results. What do you mean by firm characteristics? Right. So when we think about firm characteristics, one feature that we might consider are firm size. So in my conversations with experts, one feature that really stood out was that firms of different sizes might have different approaches towards disclosure. So small firms, which often have a single drug, might be more risk averse and feel they have more to lose, for example, if they disclose a bad result. Consequently, they might be more likely to withhold information. This stands in contrast to large firms, which often have a whole portfolio of drugs. And these large firms may feel that it's okay to share bad results about one drug because if they have bad results for one drug, well, they have other drugs in the pipeline as well. In addition to this, they might also feel more scrutiny from regulators as well as shareholders. And so these larger firms may be more open to sharing their results. And so therefore, we might see some differences depending on firm size. On the other hand, you said competition was one of the reasons. Wouldn't the shareholders be concerned about that? Wouldn't they be afraid that the companies they invested in were giving away trade secrets? Oh, absolutely. And so this really highlights one interesting result that has really popped out from other research that I've done. And this research has shown that firms are withholding both good and bad results from their trials. So this is actually quite surprising because some folks might actually assume that firms that are not disclosing information are just concealing bad results. And so my research suggests that the situation is much more complex. And to understand, it's important to note that drug development, which is typically costly and time intensive, is very, very competitive. We can think of it as almost a race where firms are trying to get their product to market as soon as possible. Now, if a drug developer is facing a lot of competition, it might not want to disclose bad results because it doesn't want to look bad relative to its competitors. These bad results can lower consumer demand or make potential investors wary. At the same time, a drug developer might not want to disclose good news because doing so may inadvertently help its competitors out, give its competitors a leg up in the race to develop new medical treatments. And so we can really see instances in where more competition leads to more withholding of this information that we care so much about. So you really have a situation here where it seems to me the requirements of the government regulators and the developers of the drugs are different because capitalism intervenes and the profit motive is involved and the success of companies, particularly small ones that have bad results, are involved. And as you say, it gets very complex. 
Absolutely. And so much of my research focuses on thinking about how firm strategy interacts with regulatory policy. And so one aspect of this research has really shown the importance of understanding how firms respond to regulation, because understanding how firms respond to regulation will really help regulators understand what's the best way to design a disclosure policy. What should the fine be? To what extent should we actually think about enforcing this $10,000 a day fine? What do they say when you talk to them? As my understanding is you have talked to the Food and Drug Administration. As a result of your studies, are they going to take another look at this? Right. So in my discussions with folks at the FDA, they were really surprised by how market factors such as competition impact disclosure. My sense was that it has been well known that underreporting persists, and this has certainly led to more recent action on the end of the FDA to incentivize and encourage firms to report results more. But I think thinking about these economic firm-related factors and how that intersects with disclosure is something that was surprising for them. And so there was certainly an interest to learn more, which as a researcher focusing on firm strategy, information and regulation in healthcare, I personally find very exciting. Now, what about in enforcement? They have the power to assess at fines of $10,000 a day. Even for a big company, that sounds like a hell of a lot of money. What did they say about that and the lack of enforcement? How did they explain it? Yes. So at the moment, as you noted, there has been a lack of enforcement. They have this policy for a while now, but only recently, up until around 2021, did they actually issue what is referred to as a notice of noncompliance. And the pharmaceutical company, Acceleron Pharma, was in fact the first company to be sent a letter of noncompliance by the FDA due to the fact that they did not report results of a trial on clinicaltrials.gov. And soon after receiving the notice, Acceleron submitted their study results. Now, at the moment, there are about five notices that have been disclosed. And so while the FDA has not yet issued the $10,000 fines per day, these actions certainly are signs that they're becoming more concerned about enforcing the penalties for lack of results reporting. So you started studying results in uh, 2008. When did they start sending out notices of noncompliance? Right. So they started sending out notices of noncompliance in 2021. So much later than when this policy was actually put into place. And so there's a lot of interesting open questions as to why regulators might be withholding, enforcing these particular policies. And from a more holistic perspective, you can imagine regulators essentially themselves face somewhat of a trade-off. So on the one hand, they certainly want to incentivize companies to disclose the results of these trials, their important information that can be very helpful for physicians as well as patients. But on the other hand, you can imagine that the regulator doesn't want to lead to a chilling effect, one could argue, where firms, because they have to report the results of their good and, well, bad and also non-conclusive trials, well, in the extreme, they might actually be incentivized to not even conduct a clinical trial in the first place. And so from the regulator's perspective, they're really trying to strike a really good balance here between enforcement and trying to incentivize more information, but at the same time, still trying to encourage more investment. On the other hand, of course, they've gotten a lot of investment. 80% uh, of the $57 billion came from private sources. So there certainly is plenty of incentive financially. Do you know anything about the profits? 
So in terms of profits, I don't have the numbers exactly at the top of my head, but it's certainly considered one of the industries where if you are able to be successful and you are willing to take on the risk of running these very, very costly clinical trials, then certainly there are major rewards to incurring this type of investment. The large profits that come from investing in a successful drug in a way, actually highlights some of the limitations of the current regulation. So in my conversation with folks in industry, they do highlight that one could argue that this $10,000 a day fine, it is a high fine for individuals such as myself. But if you're thinking about it from the perspective of a firm that's selling a blockbuster drug, $10,000 a day is actually pretty small potatoes given how much they're making when it comes to drug sales. And so if they're weighing the benefit of withholding information that would allow them to maximize the number of sales that they currently have, continue to sell their drug, versus potentially having to share information that could lead to a decrease in demand, for some firms that are selling blockbuster drugs, it's actually worth it for them to withhold the information and take on the potential risk of receiving a letter of noncompliance from the FDA. On the other hand, the letter of noncompliance doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get fined $10,000 a day, does it? Exactly. More than anything else, it is a warning sign to you. But again, as you noted, they've not actually implemented this particular penalty. What about studies that are done with federal money? Is there a difference there as far as disclosure is concerned? Absolutely. So in our research, we find that disclosure generally funded by National Institutes of Health, there's higher rates of disclosure amongst these particular entities. And so we can think that this is driven by a variety of factors. One, they have perhaps less incentive to withhold bad or good results. There might be also reasons to suggest that greater ability to actually report the results, given if we think that there are sort of costs to disclosure, and that's something that can be challenging to do. But in general, within the context that we're examining, in the context of healthcare, we do see higher rates of reporting amongst these government entities. So do you think then that uh, there are going to be some changes that might get more disclosure, more openness in the private sector as well as the federal one? Absolutely. So right now, we can see, as we noted, increasing trends by the FDA to have these notices of noncompliance. But there's also been increasing attention paid by the public. So Jennifer Miller, she's a researcher over at Yale. She's also a co-author on this particular paper. She and other co-authors have done some really fantastic work looking at disclosure in clinical trials and putting together trackers of firms that do a very good job versus those that do a less good job. And in my conversations with experts in the field, this type of public pressure to be viewed as more transparent is certainly having a greater influence right now from a almost a marketing perspective. Firms, they want to be perceived as being transparent in their R&D practices. And so we can see just growing pressure for this type of transparency. Is there sort of a public relations aspect to this? Does the possibility of assessing big funds have the capacity for changing policy and changing public opinion? I can say that when the FDA sent the letter of non-compliance to Acceleron Pharma in 2021, 
and made headlines. And in a variety of both general interests and also more specialized news outlets, it was a really big deal that the FDA had sent this letter of noncompliance and it made Acceleron Pharma undergo a lot of pressure. In fact, so much pressure that the day after receiving the notice, Acceleron submitted their study results. And so my sense is that there is a lot of public pressure to not be the firm that gets singled out by regulators as being non-compliant. There's a general sense that this non-compliance is occurring, but you don't want to be the face of non-compliance. And so that pressure, my sense more than the $10,000 a day pressure, is what leads firms to make sure they're following the rules. In addition to a lot of firms, I will also just add a lot of experts that work in this area, they have a genuine interest in sharing information. They feel it is ethically responsible to do so. And so there's that foundation, but there's also this additional push that having this public pressure creates to incentivize the type of disclosure that we need and care so much about. So the power to require transparency then is a big power. Absolutely. And so one of the ongoing conversations that folks are having is, what are regulators going to do next? How are investors thinking about the importance of transparency when they're considering which firms they want to invest in in the future? So conversations about sharing of information to a variety of stakeholders is something that is very prevalent within this space. Well, this is just a fascinating account that you have delivered about something that people are, in fact, very interested in. This is a life or death matter, whether it's medical or financial. So I want to thank you for uh, helping to bring it forward and providing to the public more information about something that is so vital. Warren, thank you. It was a real pleasure to speak with you today. Well, it's been a real pleasure to talk with you, and thanks so very much uh, for doing this. Again, Jennifer Cow, Professor of Strategy at UCLA Anderson. I'm Orman Alney. This has been How the World Works, a podcast from UCLA Anderson. Thanks a lot for joining us. Come back. Music.